And welcome back to another action-packed episode of the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu, brought to you by the Villains Man, where I, JVD, attempt to traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artist in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. If you want to talk about the podcast, comics, or anything in general, you can check me out over on Twitter at VillainsDemand. Uh, if you also want to, you can check out my podcast, Crossover Collision, the fictional battle podcast with Professor Evan the Great every Wednesday over on TheVillainsDemand.com. Now today we're talking Deadly Hands of Kung Fu issues 5 through 8, uh, as Shang-Chi still left in LA after the dam incident, moves from Los Angeles to San Francisco while he takes a trip through the state of California. Um, with these four issues, uh, there's kind of a lot to digest as I'm going to break down each issue and then kind of discuss each issue afterwards. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through issues 5 and 6, take a little break, and then I'm going to go into 7 and 8. Uh, these are pretty good. Um, I'm, I apologize if you're confused between me switching off between Masters of Kung Fu and then uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu in regards to Shang-Chi and then throwing Marvel premiere in there with Iron Fist. But I'm kind of doing continuity based on how story arcs and issues comes out. Now I could do everything in order, but that would break up the stories of, you know, Masters of Kung Fu, Marvel premiere, and this. Now, even though right now Deadly Hands of Kung Fu seems to be one-shot issues, right now Shang-Chi is on a journey through California, so they kind of line up with each other. And for me to jump back and forth in the four or five you know, issue story arcs in Master of or Marvel Premiere really wouldn't do it any good as I journey through the continuity here. But uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and break off into Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number five which is titled, Two Goes to Seek, One Path to Glory. Now still in L.A., Shang-Chi sneaks into a movie called Fist of Hate to see that Kawhi Lu, who used to work for his father, is now a martial arts movie star. After sneaking to the back lock where his new movie's filming, he speaks with Kawhi, learning that he too had to fight Fu Manchu. After their meeting, Kawhi is attacked by an assassin while shooting his new movie, which the director believes is part of it. After a night of talking to the cops, Lu won't listen to Shang-Chi about his father sending more assassins, which leads to a short brawl between the two. Dropping his guard, Kawhi Lu KOs Shang-Chi and moves to the set to film the movie. As Shang recovers, he races to the set, but it's too late as Kawhi Lu is fighting more assassins and is beat to death. But again, the director still thinks it's all part of the script. As Shang-Chi moves in to stop them, Kawhi's last words to him or his reasons for defying Fu Manchu was that he wanted him to kill Shang-Chi. Pretty nice little issue uh, to really focus more on Kawhi Lu than it is Shang-Chi. Um, I'm not going to lie, the cover to this, which is a classic Shang-Chi and his gi with the bandana over his hair, Throwing shuriken, I honestly thought this was something to do with G.I. Joe when I was a kid, and I thought it was like a quick kick cover or something. Um, turns out, no, it's a Shang-Chi cover. So, uh, just some goofy stuff from when I was a kid, because I wasn't in the Shang-Chi, I was in the G.I. Joe. So, at first I thought this was a very clever ambush by Kawhi Lu, uh, based on what we've seen from Master of Kung Fu and Deadly Hands. It would be very smart for 
a assassin to actually be a kung fu movie star in the employ of Fu Manchu. I never really liked that idea, and I really thought that's what this was, because so far, everybody that's tied to Fu Manchu is usually someone trying to kill Shang-Chi. Um, we have a little flashback when we learn that there was a contest of skill held by Fu Manchu and Kawhi Lu and Shang-Chi were in the finals, and obviously our hero won, which kind of built a rift between them, but we also learned during this time that Kawhi Lu was already starting to turn on Fu Manchu. And um, after giving his orders to kill Shang-Chi, uh, we see him do something pretty awesome. And uh, it's kind of, you know, ballsy considering what we've learned about Fu Manchu is he spat in his face. Yes, honked a big old loogie right Fu Manchu's face and fled his headquarters and fought his way out. Really does make him a badass, much like Shang-Chi is. Uh, and what's crazy, it, it's even amazing that he even got to film one whole complete movie before Fu Manchu decided to send his assassins after him. And I can see Fu Manchu doing that. He's like, I'm going to let this guy think that he's escaped my grasp. I'm going to let him do his little movie, and then I'm going to attempt to kill him while he films his other movie. I can see Fu Manchu doing that based on what I've learned about the character. Like I said, I love Fu Manchu as a villain. And I know that he's changed. I know we're getting Win Woo in the Legend of the Ten Rings. I don't care. Pretty cool villain here. Um, also, the first assassin that uh, Kawhi Lu kills, we see the poison gas hissing out of his mouth. We've seen that here recently with uh, Shang-Chi and Si-Fi assassins or the uh, Council of Seven when Shang-Chi defeats them. And uh, we actually find out that it's actually a poison tooth capsule. And so, obviously, it's very uh, pulp fiction, very pulp sci-fi of this to happen uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about check out Captain America the First Avenger where after Steve gets turned into a super soldier he chases down the Hydra guy who begins to foam at the mouth and then you understand so um, I really like the idea of this former assassin turned kung fu star it's pretty cool let's go ahead and move on to issue 6 which is called Lesson of the Locust if that don't sound very martial arts to you I don't know what else does but still in Los Angeles, Shang-Chi goes to a diner where he learns that he has no idea what modern American food is. While attempting to order, a greaser gang called the L.A. Savages are making fun of him and one of their members' girlfriends named Jeannie decides she's going to go make her boyfriend Johnny jealous by flirting with Shang-Chi. In typical fashion, it's very obvious that Shang-Chi is oblivious to an attractive female hitting on him. Something that just happens with the character, don't ask me. It does as it's intended, and not to be shamed by his fellow gang members, Johnny goes over and yanks Genie out of the booth and attempts to beat up Shang-Chi, which fails. Not wanting to disturb the peace anymore or cause any harm, Shang-Chi leaves only to have Genie tag along. This is when we learn that she is deliberately trying to get Johnny to leave the gang because after joining, he's turned very violent. We obviously see this with her. Um, after convincing Jeannie that if she loves him, her feelings for him can overcome his hate. And this is where she decides to leave. Minutes later, Shang-Chi is ambushed by the biker gang. Um, he's defeating them easily, which draws the attention of Jeannie, who begs Johnny to stop. He throws her to the ground and continues to fight Shang-Chi with his friends. As he pulls out a knife, Jeannie throws herself between him and Shang-Chi, which gets her stabs and results in her death, causing our hero to momentarily lose control and be filled with rage. 
He KOs Johnny, but then gathers himself and finds his composure. Fed up with what has happened and sickened at what he's seen, Shang-Chi decides to leave L.A. Some funny stuff here at the beginning. Shang-Chi finally gets a job. He does a one-day job at a construction site just so he can fill his belly. So hopefully, as these stories progress, he'll make enough money and can buy a car so he can stop hitching ninja rides on the back of everybody's bumpers. Um, also, uh, some other funny stuff happens beginning this uh, book as Shang-Chi has no clue what burgers and fries are. Uh, the girl working the register is kind of blown away. She thinks the whole thing is a joke until she actually realizes that he's serious and he has no clue about what he's looking at on the menu. Uh, then he asks her for just vegetables, which she says we have fries, and we all know that fries are potatoes. Uh, Shang orders them and hopes he can actually guess what type of vegetable they are. That's uh, I just found that comical. And then while eating them, all he does in his dialogue boxes is complain about how greasy they are. So obviously, Shang-Chi has never had a good burger and fries, and apparently next time he goes back to New York, he needs to hit up Five Guys, because, you know, Five Guys has the best burgers around if you're into a burger chain. Um, also, uh, during the fight with the Greaser Gang, there's a flashback to Shang-Chi training under the guidance of his father, and he asks the question why he has to defeat so many opponents at once. His father references a lone locust at their feet, stating one goes unnoticed, but a plague of them can destroy a whole crop. He goes in to tell Shang-Chi that if he's to serve him, his enemies are like the locusts and there are many, and his son needs to crush them easily. And to emphasize the point, Fu Manchu picks up the locust and crushes it in his hands. A nice little interesting moment to the history of these two. Um, I like the reference that he's made to the locusts because obviously locusts are a problem when there's a plague of them compared to one. And obviously I guess Fu Manchu referencing that he has a plague of enemies that basically are nuisances, much like the bugs are. So uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and take a little break. I'm going to grab me a little drink here because I'm feeling a little parched after breaking both those downs. And when we get back, we're going to cover Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Number 7 and 8. And welcome back to the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu brought to you by the Villains Man with myself, JVD. We're going to continue to move on into Deadly Hands of Kung Fu with issue 7 titled The Past Assassins. Arriving in San Francisco, Shang-Chi is being hunted by a sniper who does not realize that he is also being hunted by apparently one of the former failed experiments of Fu Manchu that we met back in Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number two. Uh, after the failed experiment person, I'm not really sure what to call these slaves. I don't want to say slaves, even though that's what they were. Um, after killing the assassin, Shang-Chi arrives, only to find out that this man had survived the explosion, and he blames his hero for the destruction and the death of his people. Despite Shang-Chi explaining his innocence, he's forced to take the man out. Now traveling the streets later that night, he finds a Chinese restaurant is being threatened by thugs for extortion. After a quick scuffle and causing the men to flee, the owner complains that if Shang-Chi leaves, it solves nothing, and that their boss, called Mr. Boss, it's very creative, will send them back and keep coming. This is when Shang-Chi realizes he needs to stop this crime lord, but as he leaves, he's targeted by the same thugs who catch him in a drive-by which he easily dispatches pretty cool scene this causes mr boss to go into a frenzy because it's his birthday and he's about to have his birthday party 
And he starts hiring all the top assassins in one night to take out Shang-Chi Fu Fells. Meanwhile, as this unfolds, we see that Fu Manchu is watching from a monitor. And he decides he's going to make Shang-Chi's nights worse. And we see him start to experiment what looks to be on a female body. Meanwhile, another of Fu Manchu's experimented slave type people, uh, whatever you want to call them, approaches Shang-Chi. And this is the beautiful girl that actually leads Shang-Chi into a trap back in issue 2 because she knows he's Fu Manchu's son. She reveals that she also escaped the explosion, and the others who escaped are hunting him down. So this means she traveled all the way from New York to San Francisco, hunting Shang-Chi down. Because she trusts him and still has faith in what he's d doing, uh, Shang-Chi decides to escort her to her friends, which leads him into an ambush. She was in on this whole thing the entire time. Why? Because we realized this was the girl Fu Manchu was experimenting on. And he was using her to get at Shang-Chi. So now that he's caught in a trap with these formal experimental slaves, Fu Manchu sends these C-Fi assassins after him. So as the assassins begin to kill the experimental slave, Shang-Chi flees. He begins to formulate a plan. And he leads the assassins to Mr. Boss's birthday party where a bloodbath between the crime lord and his men and the C-Fi assassins begins. Shang-Chi flees the fight, running to the rooftop, where we find out that he had called the police, who arrive and start arresting both sides. As the issue closes the last panels, we see Fu Manchu learning of his assassin's failures, but he's not upset. He actually takes pride in Shang-Chi's excellently thought-out plan, which fills him with pride as he awaits their confrontation. I really like this story, it's pretty smart. Uh, really good storytelling here. Um, in the beginning, the sniper that we see first. We know that snipers are terrible when it comes to Shang-Chi. Uh, they sh accidentally shoot other people. They can't shoot crap. To fool this guy, Shang-Chi baits him, right? And then he gets into a spot where he can take his gi off to fool a guy so he can circle back to attack the guy. But obviously, the failed experiment slave guy got to him first. So, But still, very smart thinking on Shang-Chi. That's very tactical. It's pretty cool. Also, so I keep mentioning these former failed experimental slave people from Fu Manchu. I like the connection to the continuity there. I mean, we're five issues away from when that happened, and we're already seeing these people again. Uh, what sucks is we do not know any of their names. It's terrible. That is, seems to be an ongoing theme with Master of Kung Fu, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, and Marvel Premiere with Iron Fist is we're not getting names for people. And I mean, obviously these people came back. It's very important that they have names. And it kind of makes doing this podcast hard because you can't really follow somebody's story if I'm not giving you their names. But anyways, this girl with the eye patch, what's interesting yet horrifying is when she survived the explosion, she was hunted down by Fu Manchu, and I'm going to assume it's for her beauty, because she was actually an attractive girl, and he is forcing her to work in his harem. Yeah, so basically he's making her a sex slave. But because she trusted Shang-Chi, and Shang-Chi believed in her, he's programmed her, is what I'm assuming, and sent her after Shang-Chi to lure him into a trap against her own people so Fu Manchu's assassins could kill them all one fell stroke. So uh, we don't learn what Fu Manchu actually does to her 
but you can only assume that basically maybe he put a brain or like a mind implant in there to program her, basically make her a mindless slave. It's pretty cool. I mean, all this stuff we're seeing Fu Manchu do. I mean, he gives people superpowers. He's he's putting drugs to kind of, you know, um, hypnotize people into stuff. And now he's basically mind-controlling people with what I'm assuming is, you know, technology. So a lot of stuff from the uh, good Dr. Fu Manchu really loved this villain. He's considered uh, stereotyped into racist because of his Chinese origin. And, and, and I get where that comes from. That's fine. But he's actually a very cool villain. Um, he, he's very smart, he's very intelligent, very cunning. I, I really enjoy him as a villain. The cool thing is, it's a point for Fu Manchu in this war of attrition that Shang-Chi started. Uh, he actually captured somebody that trusted Shang-Chi, and Shang-Chi had trusted them, and turned them against him. Point for Fu Manchu in the war of attrition. Now, what's interesting is, does Fu Manchu have headquarters in uh, San Francisco? His headquarters is in New York. Obviously, as he's watching everything, which I'm going to assume is like drones or something is how he's watching everything, he has to have one. Otherwise, how could he get the eye patch chick here so quickly? So he has to literally be following Shang-Chi everywhere he goes just to screw with him, which makes the villain that much more enjoyable. To wrap this issue up, uh, Shang-Chi's brilliant plan to pit uh, the C5 assassins against Mr. Boss's men was pretty brilliant, uh, and it gains the respect of Fu Manchu. And uh, I think Fu Manchu respects that because that's actually something he would do. He would put uh, Dennis Nalen Smith against one of his other enemies and make them two fight each other. And we've kind of got that between Shang-Chi and Smith and uh, Blackjack Tar. I mean, literally both of his enemies fighting each other. brings. I thought that was a really cool turnaround. I like that. Let's go ahead and move on to issue 8. This is the best story out of this block here. It's called A Hatred for All Seasons. And it's it really fits the uh, story. The issue starts off as a tale of two stories that converge in the middle. First, we see Shang-Chi. In San Francisco, walking the streets during the day, we see him help out an old lady. And then we see him turn the other cheeks when some thugs try to goad him into a fight with their racial slurs and everything. On the split side, we also follow a very large and angry man walking the streets not too far from Shang-Chi. We get to see him kick a wagon that these two kids were playing with. And then he comes across two high-class women who basically see him as scum and tell him to head back to the slums where he belongs. This apparently sets him off. He punches the woman out who said this to him, and then he slaughters her friend with a knife. Um, Eventually, Shang-Chi comes to the crime scene, where we learn that this killer is called the Midnight Slasher, and this is his second killing spree in two weeks. His first killing spree killed eight people, and it looks like he's about to topple that number here within like another week, so it's pretty crazy this dude's doing a lot of killing. What the cops are baffled by is this murder happened in broad daylight, and this guy has killed all his victims at night. And this sets Shang-Chi up to bait himself once night falls. So as he's doing this, he's lured in a few criminals, which he easily dispatches. But finally, the Midnight Slasher notices him, and a major fight ensues between the two. Um, eventually, Shang-Chi's thrown through a glass window, into a gym. The fight takes place in the gym, which makes all these people scatter. Eventually, Shang-Chi manages to throw the slasher in a pool. And after 
repeated and failed attempts of trying to knock this guy out. Shang-Chi finally decides the man, why fight each other? Why are we doing this? I don't know you. And this is where we find out the slasher's origin, that he had an abusive father. Um, his life was always crappy, and eventually he became a cop because he wanted to stop bad people because of all the bad things that were happening to him. And he loved this job. And one night, his partner was accidentally killed over a mistake, which uh, basically set him over the edge and drove him mad, and he went on a killing spree. Shang-Chi eventually talks him down and uh, offers to help him. And if the guy will take the help, Shang-Chi will be there every step of the way, and the Midnight Slasher agrees. Um, so as they leave, the cops are at the gym. One woman says, oh, he's got a knife. He must be the Midnight Slasher. And without any questions, the cops gun him down, which sets Shang-Chi off. As a cop, again, with no questions asked, fires on Shang-Chi to kill him. He dodges the bullets, disarms the guards, and leaves and regrets that he could not save a man who admitted his wrongdoings and was seeking to turn himself in. Very, very strong story here at the end. I really like this book. Um, it kind of reminds me of Hero and the Terror, the Chuck Norris movie with Chuck Norris uh, being the martial arts guy and the big unstoppable killer. That's like my favorite Chuck Norris movie. At the beginning, this is cool. It's told almost like a split page. Once The left side is all Shang-Chi stuff. The right side is all the Midnight Slasher stuff. Eventually, as the pages go on, the pages begin to converge as the story comes together. It's pretty neat. Um, the fight between Shang-Chi and the Slasher is how I would imagine a brawl playing out in D&D &D between a monk and a barbarian. I love D&D. &D. I play a lot of D&D. And, and basically, Shang-Chi is the monk. He's too skilled. He's too fast. He's landing every blow. He's dodging every attack. And... and you know, the thing is, he can't put down the slasher. He's just too durable. And in return, the slasher can't catch Shang-Chi. All he can manage to do is toss him when he gets his hands on him. And it can't hurt him because Shang-Chi's too agile. He's always landing on his feet. And even when they're in the gym, Shang-Chi's agility still giving him fits. As he's running around like on the, uh, the rings that gymnasts use. He's like using all the equipment to dodge and like avoid the slasher and the slasher's throwing like barbells at him and stuff like this it gets pretty crazy but anyways you know neither one of these can get a win and and this guy kind of reminds me of jason Voorhees in a way he keeps tanking every attack that comes at him and keeps walking forward that's who he kind of reminds me of maybe a saber tooth because he's a big brutish guy with long hair could easily be saber tooth back in the day but um, anyways, when he's thrown in the pool, it gets pretty brutal because Shang-Chi keeps kicking him in the face to knock him out. And the guy just keeps trying to get out of the pool. Very Jason Voorhees-like. Uh, until Shang-Chi has his moment of clarity where they kind of reconcile. So the origin. First, we don't know the Midnight Slasher's name. It's a very common problem here in Master of Kung Fu, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. I just brought it up in issue 7 with the eye patch chicken. Some of the other former uh, experimental slaves of Fu Manchu. One of them has a name. I can't recall the guy's name, but he actually is called that in issue two because I went back and looked. So not naming some of these people kind of bugs me because as I'm trying to explain things to you, I have to say Midnight Slasher and he. I can't give you a name uh, like Joe or Bob, you know, and it kind of makes it hard to explain a lot of things. As for his life, uh, it, it was terrible. Uh, his father beat him, and then he would beat his mother, which makes him hate everything, and that hate 
would cause him to lose jobs when he got older. And eventually, he turned his life around when he became a cop. He became a cop because he wanted to stop bad people like his dad. And, uh, and then he got a partner, and his partner became his best friend, and he loved this dude. And it was like the guy he could depend on. Well, one day, they're off duty at a bar having drinks, and one guy's causing trouble. And being cops, they decide, hey, we need to stop this guy, let's make a rest. Well, during the fight, the slasher, who we don't know his name, gets shot, and his partner, Jimmy, whose name we oddly get, is like wrestling with a guy. Well, anyways, the cops show up, they, they mistake Jimmy for the guy causing trouble, and they shoot him dead. Which, you know, upsets this guy, and it throws him over the ledge, he's got no one to talk to, and for some odd reason, throws him in a murderous spree. So, you know, there, there's a story here you can learn that, um, you know, if you have friends in your life that you can tell are having problems or they're in some type of trouble and they don't know how to reach out to you, reach out to them first. Be that friend, you know. Don't let them sit and, you know, stew in all the issues that they're going on. Be Reach out to them. Be that lifeline, you know. Keep people from going crazy. I mean, that's what friends are for, right? You know, take that and leave. I'm the type of guy that does that. Just ask all my friends. They'll tell you. I, and I'll kick you when you're down. Because if you need to be kicked when you're down, just to see the, the better truth that you need to see, I'll, I'll do that. I'm that type of guy. Ask ask my friends. Ask Evan LeGrate. He'll tell you. I'm that guy. Well, let's talk about this moment of clarity Shang-Chi has, which is uh, something everybody needs to think about in this day and age with everything that's going on. I'm going to kind of read what's going on here in the book as uh, Shang-Chi is kicking him in the face while the Midnight Slashers in the pool. He says, please, i rather speak than kick. And then the Midnight Slashers kind of going on about fighting. Shang-Chi tells him, what will you show me that we have not already shown each other? My hands have battered your body. Your hands have done the same to me. I have kicked you. You have kicked me, we have beaten one another, and we have traded pain. We have done nothing but attempt to end one another's lives. And yet, our shadows have never touched before. Our hands have never before clashed in greeting. We do not know each other, and yet we hate each other. Why? It's pretty powerful stuff when you think about everything that's going on in uh, today with, you know, people hating each other over race politics, which I think politics or the new racial thing that everybody's kind of pointing at. Um, you know, we hate each other over opinions, over beliefs. Hell, everybody's hating each other over if you're vaccinated or you're not. You know, and the thing is, instead of hating and putting the blame on people and bashing people for what they're doing or not doing, why can't you just, you know, do the right thing and ask? Don't hate on people for what they've done ask them why you know and maybe you'll come to a peaceful solution and you'll find out that maybe just because one person is doing the opposite of you doesn't make them a bad person and you could be friends with this person and you might find out that besides just this thing you have a lot in common and you will have a friend you might find somebody that you know will back you on every other thing they just might not back you in one other thing and, you know, and we're all wrapped up in social media and whatnot, and that's where a lot of this stuff takes place at, and, you know, you see it, stop it, say something. There's no point in it, just talk to each other, and then maybe things will be resolved peacefully. There's no point of bashing people for 
choosing what they choose to do, unless it's just completely evil. I mean, don't be stupid here. But just remember, you know, just ask. Ask why. Don't accuse, don't point fingers, don't bash. Just ask. Be like Shang-Chi. Do the better thing. Be the bigger man. And just ask why. And I'm going to wrap it up with that. I'm JBD. You can follow me on Twitter. At Villains Man. If you like the Villains Man, you can check us out on Facebook. On Instagram, you can check us out on Twitter. At TVD Podcast. If you like Deadly Podcast Kung Fu and you're on Podchaser, check it out over on the Inner Circle with the rest of the great podcasts there. Shout out to all my guys in the Inner Circle. If you like this music, check out Rushing Tiger by Kuro over on SoundCloud. Wherever you see the podcast, if you can rate it, please rate it. I don't care if you like it or dislike it. Just tell me why. But remember, if you're on social media, please like and share the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. But remember, guys, in the end, support your favorite podcasts. Support your local comic book shops. Keep reading comics, guys. And remember, don't just hate. Ask why. Uh. Uh.